just fade away. Fade away. Hi again, everybody. Welcome on into Sports Voice After Dark. I'm Matt McHugh, joined by Zach Wingrove for a back-to-back and our producer, Amit Malik. We are recording very after dark. It's 12.18 a.m. We're here in Lewis 119 is the recording area for the day. So uh, a little different spot, but it is the same group of people and it is the same great content. So we got a good show for you today. We got some Northwestern football talk. And then we're going to take a little bit more of a macro look on sports. We're going to zoom out. Look a little bit at baseball, what the future of baseball could be like, and NFL. NFL ratings are down this year. It's been a highly debated topic around sports talk shows and whatnot. And as a sports talk show, I feel like we should talk about that as well. So we've got some good takes on all that. And then, of course, the lightning round. So, Zach, let's jump right into it right now. All right, let's do it. With some Northwestern football stuff, we've got Northwestern with, uh, I guess... You could call it a good loss, but I'm of the more belief that there's no such thing as a good loss and you got to win. But, I mean, there are some certain some positives you could take away from last week's close loss to Ohio State. Yeah, I think if you would ask head coach Pat Fitzgerald, he would agree with you. There are no such thing as moral losses. However, judging by the lines of this game, 27 points heading in, I would say just about everyone here at Northwestern was pleasantly surprised by uh, Saturday's game against Ohio State. The Wildcats really came out and kind of just affirmed everyone's theories that heading into the week that you had heard based on their past three games that this team had improved a ton since the non-conference slate, and you really saw it in this game. Uh, they stood and looked Ohio State right in, the, right in the eye, played them tough the whole game, and you know I, I think it really does speak to what Pat Fitzgerald has done with this program, not only last year, but then he has been able to sustain that level of play. You know, he, A couple of years ago, I, we didn't follow Northwestern football very closely, but being able to go into a hostile environment like Ohio State, look them right in the eye and play them close, I think it's really indicative of where this team's headed uh, in the future, but also this season. Oh, maybe a lot better Northwestern team than uh, we had expected, especially after those first four games. I think the thing that stands out to me is that Northwestern was able to be competitive in this game by doing what they've been doing all year, and that's Going with Clayton Thorson to Austin Carr, that battery just keeps working. Carr had eight receptions for 158 yards in the game. Thorson, not as good as some of his previous games. I guess that's to be expected going against Ohio State. Going 22-42, 256 yards. So, a still a decent performance for him against one of the best teams in the country. And then they also ran the ball relatively effectively with Justin Jackson as well, picking up 80 yards on the ground with him. Thorson ran a little bit too. As a team, they had 165 yards on the ground, so... It's been kind of the same recipe for success that they've done all year, and you add to that what they were able to do defensively against JT Barrett, and I think that might be the biggest key for me is what they, I was so nervous going into that game, like, it's going to be a 38-40-something point game Mm -hmm. for them, because that Ohio State offense is just a machine, and it's like, we saw what some of this Northwestern defense could do earlier this year, they had some lapses, and weren't exactly that team we were used to last year. Maybe that's changed. What do you think? Well, yeah, if you had seen the way the Northwestern defense played against Tommy Armstrong in that first Big Ten game, mm-hmm. you would have thought J.T. Barrett would have 600 yards, and I don't even think that may would have been exaggerating based on the way the secondary was covering and uh, the defensive line was able to get pressure, and they've really stepped up their performance. If you had told me in the fourth, fifth week of the season that they would go into Columbus and hold the Ohio State Buckeyes to 24 points, there's no way anyone would have believed that. And just to see, you know, as you mentioned, no grievances on the offensive end. The offense, I thought played as well as you could have played in an environment like that, uh, balanced attack, as we've seen these last couple of games. Mick McCall has done a, a really great job after getting a lot of crit- criticism after the first four games. And, yeah, 
you know, the defense, they didn't make uh, the stops they needed to in the end, but holding Ohio State to 24 points, keeping JT Barrett contained, especially in the second half. You know, the first half we saw some long Ohio State drives. Second half, they did a great job against uh, this that Ohio State team. Let up seven points in the second half. No complaints there, I would say. Uh, maybe, you know, you heard some people questioning Pat Fitzgerald's decision, decision to kick the field goal. I'm under the belief that you got to trust your defense with three and a half minutes. I know you and I talked about this after the game, Matt. Mm-hmm. You, you had a little different belief, but they, they held Ohio State to seven points in that second half. You think you could get a stop, don't you? What, what, what do yeah, you, do you I do want to talk about that a little bit more because that's a really interesting part of the game. So just to set the scene for you, this was Northwestern tried to get that third and 15. They yeah, didn't get yeah. it. So it ends up being fourth and 15 at, at the Ohio State goal line, so it's basically goal to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... It was a at that point it was a seven point game. They're down a touchdown to Ohio State with I forget exactly how much time was left. It was like three minutes, something like that. Yeah, three, three, three and, and a half. half minutes to go. So with three about, timeouts for Northwestern. Three timeouts for Northwestern. So they're not set up in a terrible spot. And Pat Fitzgerald opts to go with the field goal unit. So two options there. You can take your three points or you can try to get that pretty long fourth and fifteen. And I know it's really risky, but I still would have gone for that fourth and fifteen, right. which I feel like I'm probably in the minority on that one. And I would have gone for it. Uh, you would have gone for it too, because if you don't get it, you still are down a touchdown, and you yeah. just, you still need to get a stop. And like, I, I tend if to you kick the field goal, you have to get a stop and still score a touchdown to win. But I tend to be of the belief of exactly that is the more simple path to winning is the best way. And for Northwestern, if they got that fourth and fifteen, that's one play where you could tie the game right there. I know there's a lot of other stuff that could happen. You have one play right here where you can tie the game. If you kick that field goal, you need so much more to happen to. Even come close to tying that game. You have to you need stop, not only stop Ohio the ball State, back, but they and, and then score again. And I just didn't think against Ohio State in in the horse. It just it just seemed like too much. I just felt like there was a better chance. You know, you get a field goal, you go, you, you get a stop, which they had been doing in the second half. It's not like this game was a forty-eight to forty shootout where no one had been stopping anyone. They had kept Ohio State under wraps for most of that second half, other than the one touchdown. You think you can get a stop, and then you have a drive to win the game in the horseshoe. And that offense was moving the ball really well in the second half. I think that Fitz made the right decision because he said after the game, he didn't think there was any chance that they would get that on 4th and 15. And I believe him. I think yeah, I think you, that's you totally a play where... I think you have absolutely no chance. And 4th and 15 is a lot. Like, Can you not see Thorson getting having two seconds to throw on that play and getting blindsided or having to scramble and just heave the ball up? Like, I, For me, that's... Taylor made for what that situation would have been, and it would have it wouldn't have been the right. It would have been low percentage. It would have been low percentage. They probably would have taken a timeout to set up a play, a really good play call because it was a tough decision. And you have two timeouts. It just seemed. I I was I was fine with the field goal just based on the way they had played so far. They like I said, it's not like this game was a game where Northwestern was getting a lot of. Uh, lucky breaks. They played Ohio State evenly throughout the game, and I don't think you need to go I with I thought that. it was taking the easy way out. Really? It was a conservative play call. It wasn't overly conservative. Yeah, you can't really like, bash him uh, too much. For I, that play it call. was like, mm-hmm. I, you can't bash him for that. It was the safe play call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, on the road against a team that good, you, you, you've gotten so far, like, why play safe? Like, the difference here, I think, between what you and I are talking about and what Zach's talking about is going, like, Going micro versus going macro. We're looking at more of like a macro, like, okay, you're Northwestern, they're Ohio State. Yeah. This is one of the best teams and you're consistently of like the, the last decade, you're and you're Northwestern yeah. football. So also, go for broke. Yeah. Also, though, what, is, what are the odds? I mean, we saw how the Northwestern defense stopped Ohio State after that field goal. You tie the – say they do get a touchdown. You leave Ohio State three and a half minutes to put their foot on the gas pedal and go for it. 
versus you kick a field goal, Ohio State's trying to run the ball, you get a third and long situation. If one of those plays goes differently, Northwestern gets the ball back with a chance to win the game they because Ohio State, yeah. Ohio State I was playing more conservatively. The down. fact that there were three and a half minutes left made it... Le- it's not like I there didn't was... Like it. I didn't like them giving the ball away. Maybe if there was four or five, it would have been fine to kick. But three minutes in college football isn't a lot. With three timeouts? I know with three timeouts, but... So they picked two, up a couple first that's downs, and that's first, it. Still, that's two first downs. But they picked up a first down, and Northwestern still had a chance to potentially get the ball back. I don't know. I can see both sides of the argument. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I mean, if he had went for it, I also wouldn't have been, like, totally ob- – like, I wouldn't have objected to that either. But I, I can see both sides of the argument. Yeah, I tend to be on the more gutsy side. It, it's obviously risky. It's, it's much easier in our well, seats right gutsy. here. I'd want to be gutsy on the road in Ohio State, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's really tough to be gutsy. And Fitz, you know, in that spot you got to give him credit. Too, yeah. He's done a good job it's with tough. his play calling most of the year. He's been aggressive when he's needed to be. I, he goes for fourth down when it makes sense. So I, I'll trust Fitz. And, you know, I, I don't think it's a surprise he, that Fitz yeah. trusted his defense in this. Yeah. Like, Fitz is a defensive, defensive guy, and I think yeah. he thought that his team could get a stop. Now, we saw how it worked out, but I, I don't, like... Yeah, and you can't, you can't like, say, like, that's how it worked out. If they got a stop, it would have looked good. Yeah, so. exactly. I think exactly. Fitz trusted his defense, and I'm not going to fault him for it. Um, looking ahead now, yeah. big matchup this week, potentially even bigger matchup last week against Ohio State, because this is against a Big Ten West foe, Wisconsin, who, after what went down last weekend where Wisconsin beat Nebraska in overtime, this game has major Big Ten West implications, and who would have thought... We would have been talking about that uh, with this Northwestern team after those first four games. But Northwestern does have a legitimate chance to win the Big West, as crazy as that sounds. They're, they currently sit with two losses in the Big Ten. Wisconsin also has two losses. They had to go through that gauntlet at Michigan State, at Michigan uh, versus Ohio, Ohio State, State, State too, yeah. and then also at Iowa in between there, and then Nebraska. Just brutal. And yet Wisconsin came out of it looking, looking all right. Nebraska has one loss. However, they play at Ohio State this week. They hold the tiebreaker over... Northwestern, but if Northwestern wins this game, that's their their hardest part of their schedule is out of their way. Their remaining three games, if they beat Wisconsin, would be Minnesota, Iowa, or, per, in, or uh, no no Minnesota, Minnesota. Purdue, Illinois. Illinois. Those three, not Iowa. They already beat Iowa. Um, so if they if they are able to beat Wisconsin, I know we're looking ahead yeah. now. There there is a legitimate chance that Northwestern. Seeing, assuming that Nebraska loses to Ohio State this week, Nebraska then would have to play Minnesota at home, I believe, and at Iowa, the final game of the year. I'm not penciling in either of those for Nebraska. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, so that's it's going to be interesting. I'm also, it is an easier part of the schedule for Northwestern. I'm still, like, oh, not completely convinced definitely. that any game is an easy game for Northwestern. Take, take care. Northwestern needs to play above itself to beat Minnesota on the road. Yeah. It needs to take care of business against... Purdue, Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. Illinois. And I, I feel more confident. Do, yeah, mm-hmm. those two, you know, you don't want to pencil anything in, but you'd feel comfortable about doing it. Mm-hmm. But Minnesota, they need to, they really need to peak. They need to peak at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, no slouch of an opponent this week. The number eight team in the exactly. country, Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about hypotheticals, assuming yeah. they win this game. This is the game. This is the game. How Wisconsin. Do they win this game? Wisconsin has played five top ten teams in the country this year. Some of them have been, you know, Michigan State at their peak, but. Wisconsin's played five top ten teams in the country and have gone three and two in those games. And they also know this is their biggest game left, too. They can look at the rest of their schedule. Yeah. It's the same opponents that Northwestern plays. Yeah. It's Illinois, exactly Purdue, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So. The uh, hardest part of their schedule is out of the way, and they know now that Wisconsin holds a tiebreaker over Nebraska. Nebraska, you know, I don't see Nebraska winning this week at Ohio State. Wisconsin knows that if they win this game, 
they can win out and they control their own destiny to play in the Big Ten Championship, potentially get a rematch against Michigan, who they lost to 14-7 to in a close game. Wisconsin, I think, and Wisconsin, what we've seen so far this year, their defense is incredible. Their run game, per usual, is incredible. It's going to be a fun matchup against the Northwestern because Wisconsin has shown that they've had problems scoring this year. Northwestern, on the other hand, has shown that you know they've done well against teams, you know, been able to score the ball, unlike last year. I think we're going to see a lot closer matchup than I think some of the uh, the experts are predicting. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that too because it's so weird to say, but yeah, the North the offensive juggernaut that is Northwestern <laughs> football is uh, really something interesting. I'm. Curious to see if it keeps up. I was kind of surprised they scored at least 20 points last week against Ohio yeah. State. Mm-hmm. In Ohio State, and then going back home, they're going to play Wisconsin. And I mean, it is a very good defense. Maybe even better than Ohio State's defense. I'm not sure what you think about that. But. I would say so. I think Wisconsin's defense is really... And they've had injuries, too. You know, linebackers yeah. are going down, and they've still just... Players have stepped up. And it's one of the best groups in the country. Probably top Definitely. five defense in the country. I and think it's they've seen good offenses. I mean, yeah. they played Ohio State, brought them to overtime, played Michigan, allowed 14 points. LSU and Leonard Fournette week one, like... You think they're going to have a problem against Justin Jackson? They shut Leonard Fournette down. This team, points against this team knows, yeah, knows how to stop really some of the most premier players in the country. And now, granted, I, as I mentioned earlier, like the hardest part about Wisconsin is scoring the ball and moving the ball with their passing attack, which is really what Northwestern's defense has struggled with the most this year is stopping the pass, that depleted secondary. Well, Wisconsin's got the two-quarterback system with freshman Alex Hornibrook and Bart Houston, neither of which uh, really bring anything uh, unique to the table that Northwestern hasn't seen this year. You know, they're not dual-threat quarterbacks. This uh, defensive line and linebackers will probably be able to take more chances uh, blitzing the quarterback because they won't have to worry about containing. Neither uh, neither will run the ball, like kill you with your feet. Um, the, big, the big question is going to be can they stop the uh, the running backs, Agumbo Ale and Corey Clement, and that's going to be, uh, I mean, the last time Wisconsin came to Ryan Field, Melvin Gordon had a field day. Northwestern won, but they didn't exactly stop Melvin Gordon, so we'll see if this uh, this year can be any different, but I think, yeah, stopping the Wisconsin run is going to be the X factor for Northwestern. And this Northwestern front seven is not nearly the same Northwestern front seven that we saw last year at all. It's a no. very different group. Um Anthony Walker has certainly changed his game a lot lately. He started off the year a little slow. He was playing hurt. We're pretty sure he's playing hurt for most of Oh, yeah, of that. he was, yeah. For and he's better. the first, like, what, four weeks or so? But since then, he's had some of the best games we've ever seen mm-hmm. from him. He looks in peak form. Uh, the rest of the group, though, I'm still not convinced that they're going to be up to that task. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, I just don't, I don't know if it's that same group we're used to seeing from last year that can... That can contain that Wisconsin running game. Yeah, that's that's what makes me the most nervous about this game. Is you know, that mismatch right there. And yeah, Tyler Lancaster really stepped up last week. That's something that we could, uh, I think, we can look for heading into this week. He had five total tackles, uh, and like he mentioned it on Monday in the press conference. You know, he's not someone that always puts big numbers on the stat sheet because sometimes he's getting double teamed. He's a huge guy. You know, lifts more than you know more in the weight room than anyone else on the Northwestern football roster, and he's a guy that receives a lot of attention. So if he can put up numbers like that. It really shows that he's being he's able to break through some of these offensive lines. If not, and he does get double teamed, it puts more of a emphasis on the outside, and so you see guys like Afadio Denebo really step up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those are the guys that the defensive front, you know, Tyler Lancaster, Afadi, Xavier Washington, C.J. Robbins. Those are the guys that you're going to have to see get some pressure. And that Wisconsin O line is huge. Every single guy over 300 pounds, they're massive, and so you're going to have to see the front seven, you know. Create get some pressure either on the quarterback in the pocket or just try to boggle boggle down the run, 
And then, as you mentioned, the linebackers, you know, Jalen Prater, Anthony Walker, uh, Nate Hall, those guys are going to be the guys that you're going to need to see make plays in the open field. Uh, something that is going to be difficult with a talented running back like Corey Clement, but we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, I, I am excited to see what Northwestern's offense can do, though, and uh, if they're able to put up uh, points and make this a shootout, because I'm not confident that Wisconsin can make this, can uh, stay with them if it got to a shootout. That, w- that would be the key for me, too, is also Northwestern's offense just taking over that, that game and yeah. exploding with some of the big plays that we saw against like Michigan State and Iowa a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. All right, let's do predictions really quick on the game. What's your prediction right now? I'm going to say I'm, I'm optimistic about this game, and I have no idea why. I'm going to say Northwestern 28, Wisconsin 24. I'm, I'm going with Northwestern. I think they can get the job done. What do you say? Uh, I'm a little, little more pessimistic. I don't think that Wisconsin's going to completely tear it up, but I think they'll do enough offensively. I think they'll win like 24 to 10. I just don't think this Northwestern offense has. I mean, it's been so much better lately, but mm-hmm. man, that's going to be a tough. It's test. definitely that's plausible. Be a plausible. Tough test. Yeah. I just don't think they're going to be quite enough. They haven't even been that good at home this year. I'm not sure how much of an advantage that is. The 11 a.m. kickoff is going to be a weird environment because yeah. Wisconsin. They, they Wisconsin has struggled mightily at Ryan Field this in the 21st century. They, for some reason, even when they're a top 10 team in the country, come into Ryan Field and can't win games. And it doesn't make any sense, but the 11 a.m. atmosphere could be a little weird for the Wisconsin Badgers who are used to playing at Camp Randall Stadium. It's going to be, it's gonna be a, it's gonna just be a, a different experience for them. And uh, there'll probably be just as many Wisconsin fans there as Northwestern fans, if I had to guess. And the number eight team in the country, passionate fan base. It's going to be a weird environment at Ryan Field. But the Badgers have struggled at Ryan Field. We'll see if uh, those struggles will continue. Amit, do you have a prediction? Uh, you might be surprised to hear this one, but I'll go Northwestern 24, Wisconsin 19. Uh, shocker there. For those who don't know why I'm predicting that, I don't know. Read the predictions. Read the predictions. And stick to my guns. Hey, I'm 4-4 this year in predictions. So not bad, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. So uh, moving on, we're going to talk a, just a little bit about you know the future of baseball. Uh, this year, uh, the playoffs have increased in ratings. They've done a really good job. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the game times of baseball have ascended into ridiculousness. Uh, baseball, the fan base is getting older and older. What does the future of baseball look like? I know Matt is the biggest baseball fan yeah. here. And I think you you could speak the most to this. You're probably I don't know if you're concerned or not, but you know baseball's been fun this postseason. I loved it. Is this an anomaly or is this a trend of maybe hey baseball has a has a future sticking around? So that's yeah. This has been a, a topic that's been talked about for a while now. As the baseball demographic is shifting more and more to a very old group of people. It's uh, like the average age of the. Standard baseball viewers, I think it's like 50-something years old now. It's very yeah. old. Here's a, here's a fun tidbit for you. We're not going to talk too much about this. I know you guys will really appreciate this tidbit, that in the 18 to 49 demographic of viewership, uh, leading the ratings is the MLS. So I don't believe it. I think it's a made-up stat. But, I think uh, it's a made-up stat. We'll, we'll just we'll take that with a Did you know the MLS stat. playoffs were going on? They are. I just looked that up, so I didn't. I was looking for uh, playoff ratings, and I found MLS. I just learned that the MLS playoffs were going on. I, All right. Fun fact. I said, let's not talk about this too much. Okay. I'm glad um, we're not. But for, back to the MLB topic, I think this one is really interesting. And I think what baseball knows is they know that it's an old man's game. This isn't news to yeah. them. This isn't something that is that they're trying to, like, 
no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. We're just, just going to sweep this under the carpet. It's no big deal. They know it's a big deal. They've actively tried to reach out to people and try to figure out what's going on. And I think the big, biggest concern is pace of play. It's a mm-hmm. slow game. We've seen that this playoffs. The average game time. Oh, sorry. The, the, correct, four hours. the correct stat is the, hi, the highest percent of MLS viewers out of any other league are 18 to 49. Okay, so that's a very It's not absolute stat, okay. numbers, yeah. but it shows that the majority of their fan base is young. Okay. okay. Well, MLS popularity is still woo, 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 uh, way the, It is the third highest attendance Okay. Well, I'm glad out of any pro sports league. That's because they take like 20,000 people, or it's like 15,000 people <laughs> to fit into a hockey arena or a basketball arena. You can fit like 50,000 into a soccer Their arena. average attendance is 21,000, which is third behind baseball and... Football. That's because you could fit like 50. Okay, I've we're not going to talk about that now. I've been to professional soccer games. I've been to professional hockey games. <laughs> hockey trumps it hands yeah. down, in well, my opinion. But no, professional no, hockey is great. Let's, let's save this, let's save this no. for a different podcast that I'm sure Matt and I won't go on. Yeah. But no, those are not yeah. good stats. We, have, we are in no position to talk about the MLS, MLS, is MLS the seeing my growing, uh, pro league and so have to start from zero to get to point one or whatever. All right. All right. We're done talking about how bad the MLS is. It's a garbage sports league. All right. We're done with that. Um, let's talk about baseball and what baseball can do to fix it. They've already instituted stuff to fix with pace of play. They've got that clock between innings. They want to keep that limited. They've said there's going to be penalties for uh, batters calling time second half, stepping out of the box. Have we ever seen a penalty? No. That's, okay. they, they've said that. It's just like it's a warning thing. Sure. I'd like to see them pick that up a little bit more. Sure. I'm not sure what the penalty would even be. Uh, like, would you be assigning an extra ball to the batter strike. for taking too long? Or, or for the pitcher yeah. for taking too long? Or a strike to the strike batter to for the batter, yeah. They would, like, that would cause so much controversy. I don't, I mean, there's no way to do that really well, I one, would think. One thing that haven't happened yet. I like that they've done this play, these, they've kind of dabbled with these uh, playoffs, especially in the World Series, is sometimes they don't even cut to commercial. They'll yeah. cut to the outfield, and the studio guys will break down the game mid, like, in between innings, and... I think it's something new. It's something you don't always see. It's kind of weird because they're giving like twenty four seven analysis during the game. But sure, why not cut to A Rod and Pete Rose during the game and uh, hear what they have to say instead of seeing the same old commercials again? I think one, that's one thing they've done differently this postseason. That you know maybe they'll maybe they keep doing that in the uh, in the years to come. And I have no problem with it. Yeah, no, I, I like that too. Um, we'll see it. I mean, we won't see it a lot. We'll just see. Like when you're watching a standard baseball game in June or whatever, you get commercials between every inning, but they're so short. Right. It's like you're watching well, one minute of commercials. They do a pretty good job keeping quick. the game on time during the uh, actual regular season. Don't, I mean, I, I, would, I can't speak to the other leagues. I mostly just watch the Tigers during mm-hmm. the regular season, the Cubs every now and then. But uh, I, I would say they, I mean, for the most part, the games don't last exceedingly I mean, unless it goes to extra innings or some extenuating circumstances. The, I mean, the playoffs are obviously a completely different. Uh, it's like it's almost Except like a different game. Except for Yankees, game. Red Sox. Okay. Yankees, Red Those Sox. Those okay. Sox on average are like playoff. Games. But for but the m- most games part, are three hours. Yeah, yeah, you watch, and you know, I'm watching at home. Game starts at seven. It's nine thirty, and I know that you know this game is going to be winding down probably. And yeah. it's the playoffs where is where you get into this different. Like, yeah, but this the thing long, is, the thing is, the playoffs. You know, it's it's four hours. I mean, it's a chess match, and yeah, yeah. you're you know that. You know, it's going to be different. It's also way more intense, and the runs yeah. in games are normally closer. Um, yeah, it's completely different, so it's a weird trade-off. I would say we're talking about, like, the popularity. It's got to be that just, like, do you think this might be an anomaly because of the Cubs? I think it's, I think I it's think the it's Cubs an and the Indians a little. Indians West. a little, but I mean... The, a little, but the Cubs mostly. The Cubs have become America's the team in these yeah. playoffs. I had, I've had friends who... So it's like 95% Cubs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've had friends who go to school in California texting me about... Who don't even know, like, don't watch baseball during yeah. the regular season. Text me like, hey, man, are you watching the Cubs? Like, 
yeah, I'm watching the Cubs. We're, yeah, I could speak to this a little. I was at, as, I've been as, at, a, as a former employee as of a, the Chicago Cubs. As an intern for the Cubs in the playoffs, for those who don't know, there was another kid on a podcast who talks about the Cubs and his experience. We're not going to copy that, but we are for a few, few, <laughs> for a few seconds. Uh, you know, working with the team, I've heard a lot of people say, I spoke with some members of the organization that said, at the beginning of the year, we said, imagine the media coverage if the Cubs make if the Cubs make the World Series. It'll be unlike anything that has ever been seen before in baseball. And he said to me uh, at game, before Game 5 that it's blew, it blew by all the expectations. The media coverage has been off the charts. The amount of people has been insane. And like you said, they've become America's team. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, I think ratings has just been off the charts. And also the Cubs games have been lit. Yes, they've been like, so much fun. To, I mean, it's a fun team to watch. Yeah. You can't help but watch just a couple of games of these guys and get to, you know, kind of like... Just get to really love them. them. Yeah, it's, it's a fun group. Yeah, it, it really is. So really do you young. guys agree that this year is an anomaly because of the Cubs and the weight of the history behind them? Yeah, I, I'm with yeah. that. Yeah, I'm with that. I think that this is still a problem for MLB is getting young viewers. I yeah. think the Cubs will help a little bit now, um, but I just – I'm not sure. Like, we even saw this last year, what was going on with that Royals-Mets World Series. You have the Mets in one of the biggest markets in the country. It, it, was, yeah. it was down. And they were like, they were getting outdrawn by, like, a Sunday night football game yeah. was outdrawing And this year, World Sunday Series night games. football, whoa, whoa. we'll get into <laughs> Stay that. Stay tuned. Yeah. We're going to talk about the NFL because it, they're a little intertwined. But I mean, speaking uh, from, like, personal experience, yeah. like, I didn't watch – I watched the Cubs in the postseason. I'm typically one who watches – you know, my team passionately. If the Tigers make the playoffs, I'll be watching every game, just get scheduling my events around that. The Cubs, I kind of adopted, jumped yeah. on the bandwagon early and did the same with them. I didn't really watch a game all the way through that wasn't a Cubs game. You know, I would tune in yeah. and watch if Clayton Kershaw was pitching. Like, some of the premier guys, I love watching guys like that. So Kershaw and the NLDS, I would watch. And But I, I didn't watch the ALCS, even the AL playoffs, because the Tigers didn't make it nearly as passionately, just because that wasn't... I didn't have like a rooting interest in any yeah. of those teams. And as I think a, America, as a, as a Phillies fan, mm-hmm. you know it's been tough. When the Phillies were good, I remember growing up, I'd watch almost every game during the sure. summer. And it's definitely a regional thing that in certain markets, people are really into baseball, but nationally, everything's kind of declining. And I, I don't think I feel like I've been part of that, but I think it's also because the Phillies have been declining since 2012. Oh, really? <laughs> you don't say. That was actually yeah. one of the highest rated World Series like since yeah. this, until this Philadelphia, one. Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yankees. Yankees. I remember a big that. market. New York's a big market. And that was a fun team too. Philadelphia Jimmy Rollins. Also, yeah, Philadelphia also had some weight on history behind it. They had won a title in Philadelphia. Like 1980, right? 1980, yeah. yeah. 83 Sixers, uh, something like that. But during the season, as without a great team to root for, I probably watched like one or two MLB games a week mm-hmm. if they're on national TV and they're good. Whereas in comparison to other sports, yeah. NBA, NFL, I watch we'll watch every, every playoff national game. TV yeah, team. exactly. But but I think we're on different different a little bit for you is the playoffs. I don't care who's on. I like watching the MLB playoffs. Really? And as long as it's a good game, I really enjoyed both wild card games. I enjoyed Dodgers Nationals. Game five was insane. Uh the Indians series versus the Red Sox was a letdown, but I was excited for it. Yeah. The Rangers Blue Jays series was awesome. Like those wild card games, winner go home games are. Wild card games, games yeah, were I'll give you that. Those yeah. are great. They both were insane games. And I'm not sure if I can speak. This might just be for me speaking. I'm not sure what you guys. Yeah. Think. Was were you guys more excited for the wild card games than you were for 
NLDS, ALDS, NLCS, yeah. NLDS. I, if there's a game seven if that it, there yeah. is, I'm more excited for that. Or game five NLDS was Game five exciting. NLDS was, but other than that, other than those elimination games, nothing wild beats those. Those, those wild card games are just so insane. And Extra innings in the wild card game. Every like, little move mm-hmm. is yeah. a chess match in itself. Like, mm-hmm. So I think if there's anything that, that would help with yeah. the MLB ratings problems but if we're going like let's zoom out let's not talk about yeah. the playoff ratings I think the playoff ratings are going to be, good, gonna be pretty they good they should stay good um, but regular season ratings I'm not what sure how much you, I can speak to this because I'm a pretty loyal Ace fan I watch try to watch every game that I can or at least listen on the radio or if there's a game going on and I'm not actively doing something else I, I will say, be watching the we've Ace gotten game. many snapchats from Matt McHugh at yeah. late hours yeah. of the night watching the NL West sometimes yeah. or just random AL West what, games what the strategies are but it involves getting the younger generation in which I don't know how you league, do look at the leagues that have done that it's been the NBA and I know you guys don't want to admit it but youth people like soccer and I don't know why. I think part of it is that the NBA is just an amazing highlight sport. Now, yeah. baseball is, yeah. too. But the other thing the NBA has going for it is just a narrative-driven, personality-based league. Well, I think the superstars. Yeah, the, the superstars. You have exactly the superstars the in the NBA. No, baseball has superstars. So, Mike Trout is, you know, he's not human. But, but they just the don't same, market the superstars the same the way. Is that it? The marketability of the I superstars guess. is the same. They're not as relatable. Like, And they thought they had it a few years ago with Chris Bryant coming in with the yeah. Cubs. He's lived up to expectations. And then it was Matt Harvey on the New York Mets, the Dark Knight. He Bryce was going to be Bryce yeah. Harper. You have these young You they, have this They're young definitely talent. but they're not the same marketability. Like, what is that? Why is that? I'm, I don't know. The thing is, like, Boogie Cousins, I'd say a tier B superstar, in the NBA, it's he's more not, entertaining like, to watch. Like, than any... He could he could come out on any given day, say a quote, and I'd read it. And if it was funny, like I would eat that up. Yeah, Bryce Harper can come yeah, out at a press conference every day. What's he gonna say to? I don't know. I don't know if that's the scenario. The pub- Maybe he just doesn't get the publicity, but also just I don't I don't know. I can't it's put hard. a finger it's, on it's, it. It's yeah, because you have sport. superstars yeah. in it, and you have young, an incredible crop of young talent in the MLB. Also young. It's also talent. a long season. It's tough to it get off for new. every game. I don't know. Questions to think about. We didn't really get that deep in it. Any, all right, for each of you, and I'll look at myself, what's one key suggestion before we move on that you could offer to the, to the MLB to help boost viewership in the regular season? I think it's that last point we hit it on. I think it's about marketing your superstars. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, okay, so Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. This is an, pretty much undeniable deniable fact. He has been for, like, the last five years. Um, how is he in the top... 10 of like famous athletes in the country. You walk no. up to anyone on the street, you say, they know who Kobe Bryant is, they know who Peyton Manning is. Are they going to be like, oh yeah, Mike Trout, he's great. He doesn't, the other thing it's is not he's, like, he's not recognizable. Yeah. He just doesn't yeah. have that value. Is it because he, he's like a, is he too boring? Like, what I just is don't it? think baseball gets that much attention. Uh, for example, when... Uh, well, I think part of it, this is this might be generalizing too much, but the culture that basketball embodies is really flashy. Mm-hmm. And it's really wow culture. Baseball is all about if you're a star, it's about respecting the traditions. You do the of right the game. things, yeah. It's about being boring and being good mm-hmm. at being boring. Yeah. But embrace the quirkiness. Like for yeah. what I was saying with uh, Jose Fernandez, when he passed away, and you heard all the stories about that. Yeah. As someone who didn't watch the we Miami love, Marlins we play love a lot, Javi ba- I, Baez because yeah. he's a marketable star. Yeah, but I, I didn't know. I, I didn't Javi know Baez. that those guys were marketable because yeah. I don't watch them regularly because I yeah. watch my team. And I, I didn't even know that stuff about Javi Baez until I watched the Cubs or know that stuff about Fernandez until, you know, you read the editorials afterwards. But do a better job, you know, yeah. showing that, showcasing that like they do with the NBA and players like, 
you know, Boogie Cousins or, you know, Boogie may not be the best example because he's kind of crazy. Yeah, I was just saying the, that. The, the, the talent, yeah, the, that talent in the NBA who are so lovable, you know, try to showcase that and encapsulate that with the MLB. I think that's what you have to do to kind of get more people involved and kind of get yeah. this connection. And maybe just, like, national media doing a better, better job of, like, making it narrative-based. I know I hate, we hate the media for making everything narrative, 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 but, but it's worked, it's worked out worked this out year with the Cubs. For, it's worked out for the Cubs. It's worked out for basketball. Football is, at this point, only a narrative sport because people make decisions and judgments based on narratives when they're all, like, old tropes in football when everything changes year to year in such a parody-based sport. Like, yeah. that's just a shot at football coverage, but... Well, we should get into football right yeah. now. Football yeah, football is a huge so, topic yeah. as well. Let's talk. We we spent about fourteen minutes on baseball. Let's go for another fifteen. This is something the three of us have been talking about for a while in our own conversations. We really wanted to talk about it, you know, just on a, a larger platform. Is that the NFL ratings have been down this year, and it's really weird. And there are a lot of theories why. What is the deal with the NFL? All right, so we're well, Zach and I were talking about. We just want to go down. The we're going to go through. We have like this list of theories that you've outlined. Have for I us missed? Here. Did I miss any? Um, that you, I, did you think of any we'll that probably I really touch on them just while we'll we're touch on them, but them. let's start with one that makes me pretty mad that's the Kaepernick theory because yeah. yeah. there's a lot of you could probably find some stuff if you google Kaepernick ratings I'm guessing you could just see it right now <laughs> you'll find some articles saying oh the end of the ratings are down because Kaepernick is taking a no. no if there's any study there it's because every study is basically you walk up to someone and say hey Kaepernick's been taking a lot of knees this year right yeah does that make you mad? Yeah. You watch a lot of NFL? Mm, not as much. Oh, interesting. Okay. No, it's, no. it's just, it's garbage. It's there's such, no, there's no, there's science. nothing there. I just, I, it's people, I put it down there because it's a theory. It's, 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 about. No, it's out yeah. there. It's certain, like, political candidates. We're not going to name names or anything. <laughs> you can probably infer just based on, the, <laughs> you can infer just what the candidates said Sports After what, Dark is a neutral podcast. We're not, we're not here to endorse anybody. That's a, it's that's bad. A it's a bad. No, no we're not. We're, <laughs> we're not the publication on campus that's going to endorse yeah. a candidate. We'll leave that to some of the other publications. <laughs> um, anyways, yes, yeah, so that's, that's, that's why it's getting though. attention. You're seeing people yeah. publish it, but you're telling me that a team that's one in six, probably the second worst team in the league yeah. behind the Cleveland Browns, a guy who started out the year as a backup quarterback, is making people not watch an entire sport of football? Yeah. That's just absolutely oh, here's, ridiculous. Here's one theory I did forget to put down. Oh, I'm Small good. theory. It's that Tom Brady out for the first four games, Tony Romo injured at the beginning of the season, oh. Oh. and they're two really marketable stars. I heard I heard that. Does three, that theory hold any weight? I don't think so. I heard the three I read an article saying the three most marketable or the three superstars of the league from last year, which they, they said Tom Brady, fair, <laughs> Peyton Manning, fair, Tony Romo. But the thing is, you have, not, to, you have to remember, he's the quarterback for America's team. He now, didn't play last I year. I hate that label as much as Stephen A. Smith. He <laughs> did not play last year. Is the new quarterback not more fun and he's more He's never won MVP. <laughs> Tony Romo is not one of yeah. the top... Tony Romo is not one of the top ten superstars yeah. in the Aaron NFL. Aaron Rodgers is a bigger superstar. Cam Dash Newton Prescott is a bigger, is a bigger superstar. Cam Newton is a bigger Eli, superstar. <laughs> yeah, Zeke yeah. Elliott and yeah. Des Bryant okay, are getting more so attention. Let's not turn this into a bashing of Tony Romo. Let's not turn this into a bashing of Tony Romo. As fun as that would be for me, he's actually I would love it. Good. Yeah, he's, oh, he's solid. He's, so, all right, no, so that was just a theory I remembered. Let's move on to the next theory. For me, the theory that I hold the – like, I think – 
is the most relevant is the fact that some because the ratings are dipping during primetime matchups Thursday night football Sunday night football Monday night football the games that are nationally televised for me it's because these matchups have been awful and Sunday night football is supposed to be game of the week they've caught in a few bad breaks just by scheduling it and then Brady gets suspended yeah. uh, although the know, first game of the year was great it was, it was a, that was one game. of the better games actually um, this last one was good I thought Eagles yeah. Cowboys we well, watched the World Series well, see, that's yeah. another problem is that the like, World Series is on they got, they got one night one of them was during the debate there, that was a Packer game it was also a, like a really sloppy game but then Texans Colts that prime time Bears Cowboys Bears Cowboys Bears have been on a lot of prime Bears time. Eagles was a Monday day yeah. and traditionally last year Monday night also had horrible Monday games. night typically schedules what, one good team and one really bad but team but what ended up happening last year is all the games were lit yeah but the matchups were bad and this year but I like, think the NFL slash ESPN got here I have the consequences of scheduling. Bad I pulled games. up the game like this week. We have Atlanta Tampa Bay on Thursday. Tampa yeah. that's actually yeah, that that's might be a horrible. fun game. It's not great. Denver Oakland is a great game. That's one of the best yeah, they've had in a, a while. Yeah, uh, a Buffalo Seattle. It's, that Seattle's going to win that game. I think by yeah. 20, 20 points. Uh, <laughs> Seattle's offense ain't that good. Cleveland Baltimore next Thursday night. Oh why that? Why is Cleveland getting? Well, so we matched that that lit game from last year. That was yeah, that is the WRR Ross special. It's just ben Gordon, I, I think, has removed that pinning from his Twitter timeline. <laughs> but it used to be pinned on his timeline, Ari Ross. The video of Ari Ross yeah. watching that uh, that blocked field goal return yeah. for a touchdown. Great video. So, matchups, that's a big problem. I think it's the matchup. The game, I, the quality of the game okay. hasn't always been there. I think that's definitely Matchups are definitely a big aspect. And we'll see it change. Well, so, now they're allowed to flex games. Yeah, which is important. But they're only allowed to do that for Sunday night. Yeah. NBC holds exclusive rights, yeah. so Monday night is still going to have this, this one do- this one good team against a terrible team, and I, it's just not fun to watch. And I, yeah. I personally like don't want to tune in to watch just a poorly played football game. I where but I think football used to be fun. It used yeah. to be. I don't know. I don't know what's changed. Um, I think the NFL and ESPN had a little bit of a tiff. Whatever that means, they just like. NFL gave ESPN bad games last year. The Simmons theory. It gave them bad games this year. I am a big reader, and I I know, I'm biased. I believe a lot of what Bill Simmons says, but I try to think really critically because I know he is, he's extremely biased in himself. Yeah. And he, some of his theories are admittedly wacko. Like, let's not talk about him and Deflategate. Both of them. <laughs> but, yeah. But I do agree that, you know, ESPN and NFL, NFL kind of gave them the short end of the stick. So, we mentioned the election, do you guys hold any credence to the theory that because of it, it's an election year, there just hasn't been as much of, you know, uh, there hasn't been a, a, the ability for fans to really focus in on the NFL? What for, I would, I, okay, well, what I would argue is the election and the fact that, like, Cubs, Dodgers, big market teams are in the MLB playoffs. Those two thi- those two stick together. Certain thing. things, but, like, that's only when games are and debates are coinciding. Yeah, I don't yeah. think for the afternoon games people are choosing not to watch because, oh, I got to really read up on my election coverage. But have about the same? Yeah, yeah, afternoon hasn't dipped a ton. Yeah. Regional markets, regional games haven't dipped. It's the prime time, and they dip. I mean, there's only been two two debates have coincided with two football yeah, games. But it was a Monday and a Sunday. It was a Monday and a Sunday. And there's been some baseball. Yeah, and there's been yeah. baseball, which has gone on, and is, the Cubs are in it. I think you'll see it begin to normalize a little. Also, just looking, the matchups are going to pick up a little, especially yeah. when they're able to flex the matchups on Sunday night. Sunday night, we'll see an, an uptick. Thursday night is Thursday night's weird. You get the color yeah. rush, and it's just a and you always the have games weird. Aren't great. You, we had what Jacksonville, Tennessee last which week, which is the worst. Game. Why? Yeah, I just like didn't we didn't want to tune in to watch that. Yeah. I don't know, and it's just. Yeah, I'm not watching a Thursday night game like with those two teams unless one of the teams is 
like a team I root for, yeah, unless yeah. it's the Packers or something. Yeah. And I'm not watching Thursday night unless it's the Eagles. Jags, Titans, like come on, it's guys, bad. what are they doing? Browns, Ravens, it's um, not good. An interesting theory I heard today that I was telling Matt about at dinner was uh, I heard it on his or hers on ESPN, and Jamel I think Hill. Jamel Hill said that. Oh. Uh, she thought one of the reasons was the fact that, you know, the NBA is, you know, increasing in popularity because of the fact that uh, they let their players just show their emotions. They wear them on their sleeve. Oh, there's no fun, it's a no-fun league. And the, yeah, and the NFL is actively trying to suppress players showing emotion. Antonio Brown can't dance after touchdowns, you know. Uh, Odell Beckham celebrates too much and gets a flag. Her theory was people didn't like that. And I, for me, that's not a reason why. Maybe it's because I love football so much. Mm-hmm. It's not a reason why I wouldn't watch football. Yeah. But it's definitely an interesting fact why this NBA is increasing in popularity. We talked earlier about the personalities, and yeah. the NFL is actively trying to limit these personalities. Yeah, I think that's a good argument in terms of that NFL personalities are suppressed. But for the most part, the personalities of the NFL are still big. They're still fun. It's still narrative-driven. Hmm. Yeah, I disagree uh, with that argument, I think. I think it's yeah, I mean, I it's a good yeah. observation. The observation yeah. is accurate. Yeah. I think it has nothing to do with the fact but that... But the thing is, the enough. product on the field, the NFL is still highlight real worthy as ever mm-hmm. teams are so passing games are fun it's it's fun to watch but the thing about fun to watch the product of the field is good an actual game to watch similar to baseball it's just so much downtime nothing happens mm-hmm. it's three hour three and a half hours and a lot of it is commercials and waiting for something to happen the one nice thing does about that but that's always kind that of change? the case mm-hmm. no, no that's, that's always been like really that and it's always been you know that you hear people say going to a football game isn't nearly as fun as watching it on tv because there's so much yeah. downtime in TV between plays on, tv you can NFL watch every replay yeah you you kind of learn the game a lot better when you're able to watch it on tv NFL hear the commentators is, is not great it's not well my my theory that i think okay this isn't my theory it's been talked about a lot but the theory that i think holds the most weight is the fact that watching watching NFL games on TV, like what it used to be even like five years ago, is you go home, you sit down on your living room couch, you turn on the TV to Fox, to or, Fox CBS, or CBS, and you watch that whatever game you get, it's going to probably be the local team and then the like Cowboys yeah. or something. Yeah. You got the, you got, I got the Eagles at the 1 p.m. or the 4 yeah. p.m. At the other game, I got the Giants and the Cowboys. I would always get Niners and Raiders. But yeah. that, like, uh, now that's just not the case because people no. don't have cable. People don't do that anymore. People watch... The cheapest options on their TV, whether it be through a quick search on the Reddit streams, whether it be through getting Sling TV, whether yeah. it be through getting... I don't know. There's a lot of different ways well, that the Corn Cutter's Guide to Watching question. Football. Has Red Zone impacted ratings at all? I mean, no. I Red, so, Zone is, Red, Red Zone's, Zone's prevalent good, during the afternoon, and yeah. those aren't the ratings that take a dip. Red Zone, yeah. I think... I mean, I think Red Zone a football-watching experience... Yeah. Uh, it, makes you let, it makes you so much more engaged in the fantasy football aspect, yeah. which is, I mean... You can say if that's better or worse for the fan, football fan base. I, I personally, I enjoy watching Red Zone more when it's not like a yeah. team you have a vested rooting interest in playing just because why not see every play and limit that downtime that you were talking about a bit. But, I mean, during the problem we're talking about is during these primetime games. And yeah. I don't know what the solution is. I think that another thing could be just the fact that this year, you know, you there's so much, there's not that one, there's not a clear crop of like, these teams are the best teams in the NFL. You're seeing teams very week by week. The, the Vikings were the supposed Patriots. to be the best team in the week in the league yeah. last week, and now all of a sudden they're losing the, the by Patriots twenty. Have somehow once again, and the Seahawks are the two best teams in the league. Are they though? Are the Cowboys not one of the best teams in the league? Uh, whatever, they're in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, you yeah. don't know. We don't know. That's the, the thing. Pan- the Seahawks are supposed to be really good. Flubbed. Cardinals supposed to be really good. 
Well, Packers have been boring all year to yeah. watch. Uh, Seahawks scored six points on prime time and tied in one of the, like, yeah. we can call it entertainingly bad, I guess, but yeah, it was, it was a bad game to watch. And, you know, the Seahawks, you just said, were one of the best teams in the league, like, and they're scoring six points on prime time. To, on prime time. I think it's the fact that... I don't that, even know if they are. Like, who know, that's the thing. We don't bad. know. And I think once it gets to the playoffs, it won't matter. Playoff, We're still going to want to watch. the playoffs will reveal that the NFL isn't as trouble as we think it is. Once baseball But we ends. have to see about next year's regular season ratings if this is a real trend. I think, yeah. Not being... Well, it depends. I think the baseball playoffs, the Cubs being in it, and then earlier we also saw teams like the Dodgers, teams like the Mets, yeah. playing primetime games, big market teams, and... I think that that probably had an impact on it. I think this Cubs team has a lot more viewership than it normally does, and mm. I think I think the biggest thing is still that people, people aren't watch watching TV, TV anymore, and that's uh, it's not it's that's not an NFL. Problem. It, I think it hurts the NFL more than it hurts other things, though, because uh, because they're so tethered yeah. to being a TV tradition. That's it's just it, and I think if you lose that, that just loses what a huge base do? about what they another they another low key years. thing. This isn't this isn't why, but this thing, another thing that bothers me at the NFL is you can't watch highlights on. Twitter. Yep. Yeah. You you can't watch highlights anywhere. You crazy to expensive to watch NFL games website. online. If to get yeah. whatever the Sunday ticket thing, that's you expensive. You have to pay but... to listen to games on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The NFL is not easy to watch. No, and it's because they know. I mean, they, they know they used to have that kind of monopoly that people were still going to pay. Like yeah. when I was growing up, and the Packers weren't on TV, we were going to go pay to watch somewhere that had NFL Sunday ticket, whether it was like a sports bar yeah. or someone's house. And they knew that people were still going to do anything to support their team and. This, I mean, I think, Matt, you kind of hit the nail on the head that if you want to watch a game that bad, there are options now. I mean, they're trying to put games on Twitter. For me, it's never that, for me, the reason I couldn't watch a football game was never that I never had the access to it. Yeah, because I think our generation knows there's nothing that there's, you can block yes, access exactly. to, basically. The cord cutters. Yeah. I think for, for a time, maybe the NFL thought, I don't know what they think, that the fact of the globalization and the diversification of the NFL fan base meant that people who rooted for teams in different areas would actually be, they, they would be helped by having things like Sunday Ticket Red Zone. People would pay to watch their teams when they weren't in those markets, but what ended up happening is they would just use other ways to watch their teams. And that ended up not helping the NFL. Yeah. I think if the NFL wants to fix this potential problem, you can get, make very high quality, clean, good streams available through your website yeah. for cheaper, more for maybe offer discounts for students. Yeah. They offer discounts for the NFL is the most people with whatever streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. NBA league pass costs what one hundred eighty. That that's going to be the year. that's going to be what they need. NHL to do. costs. MLB what? TV is cheap. They do they do student deals. They yeah. have students get how MLB much does it free? how yeah. much does it cost to watch NFL games for a month. Um, I know for a well, fact that if you want to get NFL game rewind, so this is just to listen to the game yeah. on the radio or to watch the game the day after. Yeah, that's a hundred bucks for yeah. the whole year. Yeah, and like you just said, it's like the thing what, is two hundred yeah. for NBA league pass for every team every game all year and long. So I I went on Tuned Radio, which is a radio app, and you have to pay to listen to NFL games, and it's like seven or eight dollars a month. That's not that bad, but that's just to listen to games on the radio. Yeah. And but I think the thing is that. The NFL isn't going to change anything. It's going to be interesting to see. Their ratings are down, but the ratings aren't necessarily... They make their money through ads and selling yeah. licensing to the fact that DirecTV is the only uh, platform that is able to uh, show every single or show every single game, where Comcast doesn't have that privilege. And if DirecTV is still paying the NFL, is Roger Goodell going to care yeah. that he's not necessarily getting the ratings the, the during NFL. baseball playoffs and election season? If the ratings go back up, is Roger Goodell really going to change anything? I don't... I think it's going to be interesting to yeah. see afterwards because if the ratings 
kind of normalize after yeah. all this stuff they're, happens. They'll be fine. They're, they're not going to change anything. Doing, They've yeah. said, they, Roger Goodell has said his goal is to make $25 billion, billion. of and revenue each year. And they're heading there. And I don't think that, I think this year we mentioned, I think it's an anomaly with the Cubs. And I think if they, you know, if everything begins to normalize, you're not going to see them like try to change anything because they don't care. They know yeah. that they're selling their privileges to certain, they're, you know, they're selling privileges to the TV stations and to direct TV. And if they're making their money, the NFL, I don't think is going to care. Yeah. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the other argument just briefly that safety concerns, but I don't think too many people are not watching because of that. I think yeah. there's one person who formerly was in WNUR that would maybe, uh, Ben Gordon is a big fan of that football's product is down because it's just not safe, but it's I don't a think problem. it's, it's think, a problem for football. Yeah, it's no, completely right. right. Football yeah. like definitely needs to be looking ahead yeah. to the future. It could I'm still under the belief I don't that know how much that trouble. I don't know how much that affects its ratings. Anyways, yeah, we post a lot of things out there. We had a good conversation about it. Uh, this is one thing that, you know, it's an ongoing conversation, and maybe we're, we visit this after the year and see where we stand. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, that's it for our topics, our, our normal banter, our talk. We're going to move on to the lightning round. We're going to go pretty quickly here, but, you know, everything's pretty good. Uh, we have two returners. Zach last week won with a Sportsers After Dark record 19 points. Matt McHugh is 1-1 one, one this year. Lost uh, one this year. Did I lose one this year? Are you 2-0? Oh? Might be 2 I, I've lost sure. one before, but I think I'm 2-0 yeah. oh this year. So, big heavyweight matchup. For those of you who don't know, Lightning Ground is a series of... It's a sports news quiz. Ten questions for each contestant. They increase in difficulty. There are three easy questions worth a point. Three medium questions worth two points. Three hard questions worth three points. And a Philly sports special worth four points. Um, pretty fun. There's a rapper question of the week. Led the Donovan question of the week. Let's get on with it. Uh, if you don't really know, you'll figure it out. Yeah. So uh, it starts rock, off with rock, paper, scissors to see who wants to go when. All right. Shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right, let's go. All right, so Matt can decide to go first or second. Full disclosure, you know this. Landon Donovan is in the first set. Rapper is in the second set. I want the rapper. Give me a second. All right, so Matt defers. Zach Woodgrove, first set. Easy question. Nice and easy. Who pitched an eight-out save for the Cubs in Game 5 of the World Series? That would be Araldis Chapman. That is correct. Number two, easy. Which one-loss team made it to number four in the college football playoff rankings? Uh, oh, uh, Texas A&M. That is correct. Number three, another ranking question. Uh, which team was ranked number one in the preseason college basketball ratings? Uh, Duke. That is correct. So three out of three. Yeah, it's got a little hard. Yeah. Uh, three points. All right, next uh, easy, medium question. Who scored a game-winning touchdown in overtime? Who caught the pass on Sunday Night Football? Jason Witten. That is correct. Five points. Next medium. Who upset Barcelona 3-1 in the Champions League on Tuesday? Manchester City. That is correct. Oh, ha, not well United. Done. Nine or seven points. This is good. Uh, next medium question. Who scored in overtime for Wisconsin to defeat Nebraska on Saturday? Who scored the... The touchdown. Oh, shoot. Was it I don't know if it was a game winner, but there was they, one touchdown. It was to score, and then they yeah. made the stop. Corey Clement? Incorrect. Daria Goodball. Ah, you dang. mentioned him earlier. Yeah. Uh, so, seven oh, wow. points. Hard ones. Here we go. Uh, who scored a tip-in winner for the Bucks against the Nets on Saturday? Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, John Henson. That's correct. Ten points. Uh, next hard Shut one. Up, Bucks. Uh, next hard one. Who scored a hat-trick for the Florida Panthers to help in the Red Wings 5-2? Yeah. This game, yeah, uh, it's a uh, Colton Skevior. Skevior, yeah, sure, that's a person. He scored a hat trick in a game. I thought that might that's be good. It was against the Red Wings. I may have, watched yeah, all right. Next hard question Landon Donovan, question of the week. 
Uh, Led the Donovan, the LA Galaxy, faced off in the MLS playoffs against the Colorado Rapids. Oh, was, with crap. which player as their goalkeeper? Oh, this is the only goalkeeper I know. Tim Howard. That's correct. What? Secretary of Defense Tim Howard. He plays uh, in the MLS? 13, yeah, he does. 13 points. He was like 90 years old. 13 points for uh, Zach Wingrove. He's really good at the lightning round. Here's the Philly One Sports the special. Uh, who scored the game-winning goal for the Philadelphia Flyers in their 4-3 win over the Carolina Hurricanes this weekend? Uh, Radko Gunas. No, good guess. Brandon Manning. So 13 points for Matt McHugh is what Easy. Need. Easy. Uh, <laughs> you got the rapper question. At least you don't have here you Easy. go. Uh, which two NFL teams tied in London? Oh, I was asleep on yeah. this game happening. Redskins, Bengals? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, next easy question. Who handed West Virginia its first loss of the season in college football? Oh, didn't watch any college football. This might not have been easy. I don't know. No, I got no idea. That's Oklahoma State. All right, so okay. one point. It's all right. Uh, nope. Next easy question. Who hit a three-run home run on Saturday for the Indians as they beat the Cubs 7-2? to two? Jason Kipnis. That is correct. So two points. Next medium, who scored eight points in overtime to help the Grizzlies defeat the Wizards? Mark Gasol. That is correct. He's cash. So four <laughs> points. Who scored five, his 500th career goal against the Flyers for the Penguins on Saturday? Phil Kessel. Good guess. Close. It Malkin is correct. I was oh, thinking of people that have been on the Penguins yeah. for a while. I wouldn't have yeah. known So that. next medium question, who caught the game-winning touchdown in overtime for the Raiders against the Buccaneers? Seth, Stonehands, Seth Roberts. <laughs> Six points. Now onto the hard ones. You need to make up some ground, but you can do it. Okay. Uh, which two relievers were named the AL and NL relievers of the year? Zach Britton and Kenley Jansen. That is correct. So now we're at seven. Okay. So okay. We, need, we need some of this. We can do it. This is a tough one. Who scored a goal and assisted another for Chelsea? Is Come on. Is Southampton 2 Come on. Uh... All right, let's see. He was I the know... player of the year two years ago. <laughs> oh, was, there you oh, go. Easy hit. He, he's, a, he's Belgian. Oh. oh. Why don't you spew up he every scored Belgian last year against player, Tottenham. You know? There waffle. you go. Waffle. Close. Is that what I'm supposed to say? <laughs> no, incorrect. This is uh, Eden Hazard. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> now you need both of these to win. Which NBA athlete... Released a rap album this week. Oh, with the first song titled "Bill Walton." Although that's not that doesn't relate to why he's doing it. It's just I thought it's a cool tidbit. Interesting. Uh, I give you a hint, maybe to make this interesting. Uh, sure. He's a point guard. Russell Westbrook. Nope. Oh. Damn. Damian Lillard. Oh. So yeah, that's on Twitter. Here's like, four just, points to I get you that. to eleven. Uh, tough oh, one. Philly right. sports yeah. special. It's not who you think. Who led the Sixers in points with 22 in their 101 to 103 loss to the Magic on Tuesday? He's a shooter. That could be anyone. <laughs> oh, not on the Sixers. <laughs> Hollis Thompson. That is correct. Yeah, yeah I was going to well guess done. Embiid. He's a shooter too. Yeah, He's so a shooter. 11 points, admirably Close. done, but uh, impressed that I. I if guess, I got Waffle, I would have got Impressed that you knew <laughs> Tim Howard was the Secretary of Defense and in the MLS. Granted, like, if you had asked me to name another goalie, I would have been. Very much I think screwed. I think he Taylor was because no, he, he, wasn't uh, oh, he wasn't a goal. Proud, proud. You know, you know what two, title, you know what two points know. that separated you Last two. 11. Okay, they were talking about FIFA teams. <laughs> the two points that actually separated Matt and Zach was that Matt knew. 
that Manchester City defeated Barcelona. Yeah, I knew that. Zach, we talked knew. about it. Because I told you that. You told earlier. me. Matt was like, I was watching a soccer game. Amit might ask me about that, and I said, wasn't it like Manchester United? And he's and. Uh, our I know. I thought it was. I was watching. It was okay. So full disclosure, it was on at the gym. I'm like watching the game, and it's like, oh look, there's Messi. I know him. And then yeah. it's like Manchester. Is, I, is it United? Is it two City? We don't know. But someone clarified know. it for us, and I was like, hey, Amit might ask me that in lightning round. And what do you well, know? Hey, what do you know? It all worked out. It all works out. Four and zero in lightning round. Should never tell Zach anyone. Woodgrove, the record Zach Woodgrove is very good at lightning round. Matt McHugh very good. Set eleven points on most weeks. That's good enough to win most weeks. But uh, it's not most weeks with Zach Woodgrove. <laughs> you know who's also undefeated? The Western Michigan Broncos. Shout out to them. Getting a good yeah. win tonight. I have to say. Something. All right. Well, we'll cut Boy, you off. Davis. We'll cut you off there. Right. Uh, thanks, Matt McHugh, Zach Woodgrove. This has been an after dark, extremely fun, fun version, fun episode of Sports After Dark. Thanks for listening. Go Caps. Yeah.